0: That was for editing, Matthew. That was not for you. This is not for...
1: Oh, sorry. I'll completely ignore it and pretend it didn't happen. <laughs> right, what do we need? We need a cold open. Can we finally stop referencing the fact that we're going to do a cold open at the beginning? <laughs> no,
0: I like the self-referentiality. Right, I like... It's, it's, the self... The, the meta... The meta-ness. So I think that'll do it for one. <laughs> <laughs> Cue oh, so bad! Music. <laughs>
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of the Words Without Wisdom podcast. My name is Matthew Lyon, as always, and I am with... Evan Dixon. Also, as always. Um, So, third week. Evan, how are you feeling? We're getting into it. We're getting into a groove. Are you enjoying the groove? Is it a groovy groove?
0: It's very groovy. It's groovily productive. I think this is the longest streak of me doing anything ever. I don't think I've ever... um, maintain something for three weeks.
1: (laughs) That's that's impressive (laughs) well we're all very proud of you we know that you'll do great things in the future with your three-week streak of of working now speaking of of your own productivity i i wanted to ask you about something that i noticed on the um the the google drive for our um our podcast we have a we have a google we have a google account that we run everything from on the podcast and it has a google drive account attached to it, obviously and i was on there the other day doing some audio things getting the audio whatever it was i needed to do and i noticed a spreadsheet <laughs> and he's laughing because he knows what i'm about to say <laughs> and it appeared to be a very detailed spreadsheet or in relation to the hot or not segment with formulas and <coughs> expressions and graphs detailing aspects of the hotness of the, the the members of the senate and other places that we've covered so far so what well, the hell!
0: I'm a big fan of data management or data. How do you pronounce it?
1: Data. It's I, British I, is data. I American I, is data. I, I, I don't. I don't really know. I'm not really sure.
0: So you know, I created this spreadsheet or this series of spreadsheets, I should say, which tracks just not just um, the politicians that we talk about on this show, but also their party affiliation, the state that they represent, their age, their the state of incumbency, whether or not they're still in office, as well as their political leanings. And then their overall attractiveness rating, which is marked on three criteria, and that is looks, charm and policy out of five, and then uh, aggregated together to create a percentage. So I, I think I think this is a good way to talk about this week's uh, hottest politician.
1: Just before we get onto that, I want to just, I'm, I've got it up here. And obviously, you know, if you listen to the first and second episodes so far, we've covered Bill Nelson. Uh, and it says here democratic state of florida uh it has date of birth entered office left (laughs) office an interesting ideology score which is something i hadn't heard of which i i believe is essentially um a way of mapping the ideologies (laughs) left to right of only members of the senate relative to each other on a scale of zero to one which is interesting we might talk about that for for the uh, for this week's hot or not which i can see There's a third person added to the list There is a third person That we haven't covered yet on Hot or Not And that suggests to me that that might be This week's Hot or Not candidate
0: You would be correct Cue the music
1: Welcome to America's Hottest Politicians With Matthew Lyon and Evan Dixon and welcome to this
0: section of the podcast uh, Hot or Not, also known as America's Well, I, I called it Hot or Not last week but when I was listening back to it, the intro says, welcome to America's hottest politicians So oh, it,
1: it changes every every time we, we say don't, it, don't it's worry. It's fluid It's not, con- it's, it's not consistent no. So
0: Today's, uh, today's uh, candidate for Hot or Not has been a senator for the state of Vermont, the junior senator for the state of Vermont, since 2007. He is, according to GovTrack.us, the most uh, left-wing member of the Senate. He previously served as a member of the House of Representatives and Mayor of Burlington. It is, of course, none other than Senator Bernard Sanders, colloquially known as Bernie.
1: Stand up and give him a clap. That's what we like to see.
0: We've covered a member of the Democratic Party. We've covered a member of the Republican Party. I thought it would only be fair that we cover someone independent, like Senator Mm Sanders. So in terms of the criteria that he's being marked on, for looks, he only gets a three out of five. Does not get the maximum, which may be due to the fact that he isn't a skeleton. (laughs) So not quite there yet but give me 10-20 years and I may come round to my senses charm, for charm he gets a 4
1: Only 4?
0: Well he doesn't have the southern twang that Bill Nelson has that I think just tips him to the to the 5 column
1: the southern, the southern twang I would say Bernie Sanders is one of the most charming members of the Senate and in terms of looks, I'm with you there, it's almost kind of uncomfortable to put him anything above a 3 mm-hmm. on looks because this might be hot or not But he's an old man. It's quite (laughs) creepy. (laughs) He's more of a sort of, you want to sit him down and scruffle his hair, not so much penetrate him in any way. No. And for... (laughs) I shouldn't have said that. That was bad. That was bad. And for
0: for policy and the policy column, he gets a
1: five. Of course he does. He
0: he gets a five because, you know, I think that's the way a lot of people lean in Scotland. I think he is someone who is quite radical for US standards, but for Scottish standards, you know, I think we can do nothing more than respect him. And that gives mm-hmm. him an overall average uh, hotness quotient of
1: 80%. 80%, which, if I'm reading it correctly, is the highest overall rating so far on this, on this spreadsheet.
0: Out of the three gentlemen that we've covered, in comparison, that comparison with Senator Nelson, 73%. In Senator is 53%. This uh, currently puts uh, Register of Independence as um, the hottest average party affiliation, and it also makes Vermont...
1: Well done to independence.
0: Also makes Vermont the, uh, the most attractive state on average. Mm-hmm. That's what I think, Matthew. Here to weigh in.
1: Well, I mean, I can't disagree with you on policy, and I've I've said what I think about charm. I think he's definitely a five. I I wouldn't I wouldn't go so low as a four. I mean, he's he's the socialist sweetheart of America, and there's nothing I could ever do to deny him the respect he so rightfully deserves. And if he wants to come on the show, <laughs> uh, that would be great. On any of
0: the <laughs> gentlemen that we have discussed, yeah, but mainly Bernie. Sorry, am I making really obnoxious drinking sounds?
1: No, uh, you're fine.
0: That's okay. I shouldn't. I shouldn't so, spoil the illusion. I, I
1: just would like to make one more uh, observation on of this graph before we. Before I say one more thing, so actually I have two more things to say. So ignore everything I just said. Okay. I'm um, I, I, looking at the uh, a graph listed hotness by ideology (laughs) we can see that according to the average the percentages generated by the chart hotness increases as you go further left on the political ideology scale
0: which has kind of shattered everything that I used to believe about myself. Mm-hmm. But, you know, these, these three may be the outliers, the exceptions to the rule we'll rather see. than the, the rule itself. Th- this,
1: is not a, this is not a large enough data set I to know. make any conclusions as of yet, but we will we see need to what wait happens. Until we
0: do all of the male members of the Senate,
1: everyone, <laughs> and the
0: House of Representatives, governors, presidents, cabinet officials, judges. Yeah, the Supreme Court, the whole shebang. And then we go to, like, state legislators and... um,
1: Yeah, George Wallace.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Long dead southern (laughs) governors.
1: Well, eventually we'll go all the way back to to John Adams.
0: Yeah. And Alexander
1: Hamilton. The powdered wigs. George Washington.
0: The powdered wigs really do something for me. Just, you know, (laughs) in the the feels.
1: Okay. (laughs) And my second point, actually, before we leave Hot or Not... Just as it seems relevant, are you proud of our first, very first candidate for Hot or Not, Bill Nelson, for his possible appointment
0: to Joe Biden's
1: pending Senate confirmations uh, to Joe Biden's cabinet? I think, Is it it cabinet?
0: Has, I think it's a, an advisory position. I don't think it... An I don't advisory don't think position. Well, to do- so up the, the upper
1: of government, shall exactly, we say. Exactly,
0: to administrate... Was it NASA? I think it was NASA. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm proud of him.
1: What's the conclusion then from Hot or Not?
0: Well, I think hot. thought Senator
1: sandals. Evan thinks hot. I think... <sighs> Ah, see, I like him too much to diss him, but he's not hot, he's cute. You know what I mean?
0: I think that's a fair compromise. You're understanding the the nuance of the situation and I can only applaud you for that. So, I think hot.
1: Maybe we shouldn't have called it hot or not if we were looking for a non-binary solution.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Regardless, I think hot. Matthew thinks cute.
1: You've been listening to America's Hottest Politicians, with Matthew Lyon and Evan Dixon. Hello and welcome back to the main section of the podcast. Uh, we're back here for the, the next segment. We are going to be taking a dive into our email inbox uh, to see what's going on in there. We haven't done that for the past two weeks but we're starting to get some emails in now so we're going to dive in and we're going to see what's in there. Uh, Evan, what are you seeing?
0: Uh, well, we got an email from a, a, be- a lovely, lovely, lovely gentleman called Ron, who wrote to us and uh, asked us posed us some queries, which uh, we will endeavour to answer tonight
1: to the best of our ability. Without wisdom,
0: preserve, protect, and defend the wisdomnesslessness of the podcast. So help me God. One of the questions that Ron asked was, uh, "How do we feel about the use of the number two instead of T-O-T-O-O-T-W-O? Which I've just realised just as the number two, you know, I I think most people use the number two as a shorthand for TWO because that's what numbers are.
1: Yes. No, I think I can agree with you there too. Has always been a, used as a shorthand for TWO. but personally, in terms of for T O and T-O-O, I always like to. I'm not really a huge fan of shortening of text messages or emails or twitters or whatever it, or twitters tweets or whatever it is you're doing. I've I'm I'm sort of always a proponent of extending grammar rules to and correct spelling etc to the internet and to um, less formal messages just cuz that's kind of how i am but i do accept that it's not an invalid way of, of speaking or of typing sorry because there's a really interesting Tom Scott video on this we're going to promote other channels here but Tom Scott did an excellent video on internet language and internet um, typography and how if your parents tell you that or, or boomers tell you that typing shorthand in text is being lazy, you can tell them to shut up and watch a Tom Scott video because it's actually a whole different language and, and way of speaking, and I think that's super interesting. Yeah. So yeah, if you want to use two, use two.
0: I mean, the whole point of language is to communicate ideas, isn't it? So... Even as mm-hmm. someone who's ridiculously pedantic, I, I'm not sure I can fault it because the whole point of you know the whole point of language written and verbal is to communicate ideas and to express what what is thinking in the noggin. So correct. The number two gets the, the words two and two across just as just as clearly as as the words two and two do. I think I wouldn't use it, but that's, maybe that's just an aesthetic choice.
1: See, this is interesting. The more I think about this now, I'm actually thinking that what you said there, two, gets across just as much information as two and two. I actually think not true. Now I'm not like, not like switching my uh, position on internet vernacular as a whole, but in this case, two the two different words for two, not including the number spelled out, are you know, they convey different meanings. And in this case, you're actually taking away meaning rather than adding meaning because I think the interesting thing about internet language, for example, um, purposefully neglecting uppercase characters on certain words and things like that is usually used to express extra information that you can't express because it's normally expressed through speech but you're typing. Uh, This wasn't such a problem with with books and uh, before the internet because most of these things were usually written in a more formal way. Yeah, so so using different... Text can lower, uh, increase the amount of information, it can convey sarcasm, it can convey humour, it can convey sadness, etc, etc. But in this case, using the digit 2 to replace TO and TOO is taking away information. Usually it's it's in, in implied by context, but in some cases it can't be, and I think in that case you're going to be taking away information. So in this, for specifically the digit 2...
0: I'm, I'm glad we discussed that, I feel more enlightened about grammar, linguistics. The world.
1: Yeah, you should watch that Tom Scott video. It's a great video. Uh so returning to to Ron's email, uh, he mentioned something about his divorce lawyer. So good luck with that, Ron. Um, and he asked if we're accepting guests. Um, and we'd just like to send this in personal message to Ron, although we did reply to his email. Um, we could be accepting guests, so for all the listeners out there, maybe expect guests in the future as a way to spice things up and a way to get interesting new perspectives, without wisdom of course, on questions uh, sent to us. Returning to the inbox, um, we have another email from an avid fan. We just wanted to to, to read that email out because we did say we would. Um, they are disappointed... In Evan's taste in men, and I mean, aren't we all, and believes that uh, Josh Hawley looks frighteningly like a young Matt Hancock. Um, I personally can't see it, but... Who are we to judge? That, thank you. Thank you for your contribution to the show and to your email. Have you been keeping up with this week's news, Evan? Have you seen anything interesting in the news? I've seen lots news. of interesting
0: things in the, the news. The news. The news.
1: Hmm. I always get I hacked on about it about the my my pronunciation of the word news and it's technically supposed to be pronounced news, like new news, but it just it's such an awkward thing to say. So new why York. why spend new. all that time saying it?
0: I think it depends on the what new I'm from, I think I say from New, new York. York.
1: Oh no, that's Cockney. York. How'd you say New York? Oh, I don't know where that was. York. that was like Georgia. Hey, I'm
0: walk- I'm, you know I know a really good here. Georgia accent, i.e. Georgia in the United States.
1: I I couldn't tell you what a Georgia accent is, so please enlighten me.
0: I'm from Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> you have to you have to channel your inner Blanche Blanche Dubois. Yeah, Blanche and, Dubois, uh, just, yeah. Just just feel like you're a Southern belle, and and it just it just flows so naturally.
1: Are You saying everyone from Georgia sounds like that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't even think Blanche Dubois is from Georgia. I think she's, I think she's from Louisiana. But yeah
1: i think i think you might be right about that No, they close enough
0: you just you know you have to sound like to a southern lady georgia yeah or like scarlett o'hara i'm from georgia just any vivian lee character georgia mm-hmm.
1: well we'll get to your obsession with old hollywood one day Evan.
0: oh we will yeah so uh, in the news i mean you know it's 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 always a fun news week where you're living in 2021 isn't it there's never anything boring oh always uh salmon's committee has found that the first minister sturgeon seemingly unwittingly misled parliament Mm -hmm. but being it it being a committee largely made up of opposition mps msps who probably who would because say that for party
1: political reasons
0: because politics is so heavily partisan
1: Uh uh-huh as much as i i don't want to sound biased and i know we have disagreements on this topic but um i think and i don't I hate to sound like you know the sore loser here, but I think this process, the inquiry process around this, has really kind of been disappointing in the way it's been handled on both sides, honestly. Mm -hmm. Both by... uh, on both sides. There aren't really any sides. The only side we should really be interested in is the side of the women. But, you know, it's been poorly handled by both... by all parties involved, really, apart from the women, obviously, but they're not really a, a party in this process. You know, both in the way that the the government have kind of failed to produce documents um, either out of on purpose or just out of incompetence Mm -hmm. or laziness or busyness I don't know but that really should have been a a priority to get those documents out to honestly for mainly to help the women uh, and also from uh, opposition parties who have been more interested in playing party political games than actually getting justice for the women. Alex Salmond, who is quite a Weasley, not very nice man who somehow managed to come out of this as the good guy, which is honestly probably the worst part about this whole inquiry and the whole uh, and what and the procedure and what's happened is that Alex Salmond has somehow come out as the good guy
0: it is kind of conflicting as someone who like even as someone who's like not feels quite disillusioned with all the ma- most of the major parties at the moment it does it is quite conflicting to try and f- like find a balanced um, viewpoint on it I, I, what I will say is interesting um, an interesting anecdote is that um, Henry McLeish I, I'm not sure if you'll I'm not sure why you would know, (laughs) because it was before either of us were alive, but former First Minister who resigned in 2001 because of some scandal to do with property. And um, there was a sort of consensus, even amongst a lot of the opposition at the time, that he didn't need to resign, Mm -hmm. but resigned anyway. And he's come out and stated that he doesn't think that the the allegations against Nicola Sturgeon really have any credibility, that there's, quote, no serious path to her resignation which I think is interesting. Mm. Is that a,
1: a, a Labour First a, a Minister? a former Labour First
0: Minister, which I think it probably says, says a lot. Uh-huh.
1: I mean, I, I, I'm not necessarily sure I agree totally with this position, but there's a lot of people I've seen talking about how essentially what's happened is that in this sexual harassment or response to sexual harassment inquiry, the inquiry has continued to take the word of a man over the word of a woman. hmm and just I, I i don't know how much is in that really i think that's more just seeing things that aren't there but at the same time it, it hints on the fact that they have essentially taken the word of alex Salmon over the word of nicola sturgeon because i have seen that the the thing that the the news, the media parrots is that it was Alex Salmond and the corroborating evidence from uh, this other guy who I can't remember the name of, but this other man is Alex Salmon's legal advisor, mm. which is a weird person to trust as corroborating evidence when the person you are... Of course he would agree <laughs> he's trying to get him out of this situation.
0: Yeah. Or he's trying uh... to
1: to make him look good. And, and whether or not you believe that Nicola Sturgeon should resign, or or whether she did something wrong, or whether the government did something wrong. You, I don't think it's in anyone, in, doubt in anyone's mind that despite what the courts found, Alex Salmond is guilty of inappropriate behaviour. Yeah, I mean, we with his female first of all admitted
0: to it, but we know the uh-huh. conviction rate is so low anyway that uh-huh. it's not really something you can rule out in the same way that you could other crimes.
1: Uh huh. An acquittal doesn't necessarily entail lack of guilt. Uh In these cases, it just means lack
0: of evidence to convict.
1: Mm-hmm. or lack of willing to convict well, yeah. so that's essentially essentially my position on it that I I, I I kind of doubting myself on this because I'm thinking to myself if this were a Tory Prime Minister or a First Minister or whatever would I ask them to resign? Would I be like oh of course they should resign they've, they've done this or done this or am I simply seeing these holes in the inquiry and the leaks and all that just because I want Nicola Sturgeon to stay because I think she's been a good spearhead for independence and for the SNP. I'm I'm kind of unsure of myself in that way. But overall I'd say I, I don't I, I don't think she should resign mainly from a, a, a party political election reason because there is an election coming up. Yeah. And I think that would really damage
0: Well, I, I think that's probably what a lot of the opposition want is to try and fracture. Because
1: yeah. uh-huh. to
0: a lot of people, the SNP are synonymous. And probably to a lot of voters, the SNP is synonymous with independence, which isn't really the case. But uh-huh. And this I is a discussion we think. have a
1: lot, that although we are both pro-independence, you're less pro-SNP, um, but I I think, I don't want to force you to admit something you don't want to, but in the case of elections and achieving independence through elections, in any time soon, the SNP are the only real viable option for that because most of the other major parties will not support it
0: and it, it does appear that that is is more and more the case and it's it's quite a conflicting internal conflict it's it's quite something i don't want i don't Nicholas sturgeon isn't my top choice for first minister i would certainly rather there was someone else in the role i certainly wouldn't you know if 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 she decided that she was going to resign i would certainly welcome that but not over this because i don't think that there is any Basis for her to design over this. Uh-huh. Plus, what you know? What's the alternative?
1: Uh huh. I mean, who? I mean, in a lot of people's minds, independence and the SNP are synonymous with Nicola Sturgeon. Not even just the SNP, but Nicola Sturgeon herself. And whether or not we think she's her like has done a good job or whatever it is, she is very popular, regardless of that. And I think a lot of the votes for the SNP and for independence come from her popularity. And I don't think it's right to sacrifice that. Uh huh. Well. That's our takes on the news. So, on a complete non sequitur, um, I would like to ask the question, what is the best episode of Doctor Who? (laughs) (laughs) So, I, I was scrolling through Twitter, and I saw a tier list going around, one of these tier lists, you know, uh, ranking different things. Like, you, all, you know what a tier list is, why am I explaining what a tier list is? And I I saw one uh, of every Doctor Who episode from the revival, from 2005 to 2020, uh, on a tier list that you can, can rank, and I thought it would be a good idea for us to maybe, every week, take a few episodes, put them on the ranking, and see how we've ranked them all at the end and eventually find the best episode of Doctor Who. So all of these episodes are in a random order. Would you like to do them in a random order or would you like to do them from the very first episode of Rose up until now?
0: I think I would like to do them chronologically.
1: Chronologically okay
0: because a lot of the later episodes to me are so unmemorable that i can't distinguish them in my head
1: so you're going to have to google them i'm going to have to google them (laughs) in advance okay well let's do it in chronological order then okay that means that first up once i find it is rose so i'll let you start yourself on this one
0: a good solid way to revive it
1: yeah i mean it's a huge task. To revive such an iconic show that is inherently, or was inherently, kind of old and kind of crap, you know, with cardboard sets and big metal Daleks that looked a bit stupid and couldn't go upstairs, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, for a modern audience. And yet, somehow, Russell T. Davies, the the genius madman that he is, somehow did it, and he did it really well with a really you know, interesting, grounded story, bringing back a classic monster, the Autons. Mm. And I mean, I think it, I mean, I, I I, don't mean to offend you, but I think I would be correct in saying that you are not the most sci-fi or nerd-minded human being in the
0: world. Heart absolutely heart to my core. That is <laughs> such an insult.
1: Well, <laughs> no, let's I'm just say a, that you are. I'm not. Okay, a, yeah.
0: uh, which is what makes Doctor Who all the more special.
1: And what makes Rose all the more special is that it- Yeah,
0: because I think it was the first episode I ever actually watched.
1: uh Uh-huh. And and it got- and I think that's true for a lot of people. It it made a lot of people who you would not expect to enjoy a show like Doctor Who, enjoy Mm -hmm. Doctor Who, and not just enjoy it, but continue watching it and making it- by the time it got to about 2007-2008, one of the most popular shows on the BBC, once again- and you know got the highest ratings up to like i think there's an episode there's a Voyager of the damned 12 million uh in the ratings or something but the fact true.
0: that it got kylie minogue to even star in it
1: it's true i mean it got kylie minogue okay, it got, got it. um Catherine jenkins you know people like that like huge stars you know it had some some huge people yeah. on it. On this tier list the um the the categories are the greatest which is the top obviously and then going down amazing good Okay, bad, awful, and not canon. And I don't think we're going to put anything in the not canon because I'm never of the belief that something should be discounted from canon simply because you don't like it, which is just stupid. Yeah. So in terms of rows, where would you put it on that scale?
0: It's a toughie because I don't want to set the ball too high.
1: We may be able to move a few a few in, in, in later weeks if we find that our scale shifts a little bit.
0: I would... I... Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I would say it's see amazing feels like too much of a compliment, but good feels like too much of an insult. I feel
1: good. I don't know. I'm feeling good. I
0: feel, I, I, I'll go with good. It's
1: a it's a thoroughly solid
0: episode. Yes. You yeah. Know? Comparatively, maybe not among the upper echelons, but but a solid yeah. star. solid in terms start, there there have solid been survival. Of, yeah,
1: it's it good is not to say that in any way that it's less than yeah. You know, good always I always find this with rating systems, especially star ratings like five star ratings. You get five stars, which is like best of the best. Four stars, which still feels like really good, and then as soon as you go below four stars, it just feels bad, even though it's still greater than fifty percent. Yeah, you know? like three and a half stars feels like a bad rating. Uh-huh. But but it's it's only half star less than four stars, you know. And yeah, two right. and a half stars is halfway, so it's it's like a B basically. And somehow that seems bad, but it's just not. Anyway, well, we won't spend so long on each episode. No, now, but next episode we'll do. We'll do maybe three or four. Um okay. The end of the world. The end is of the next world. Episode. That the end do of you, the world. Do you remember also it? Liked.
0: Uh, yes.
1: Uh... Okay good
0: uh debut of cassandra i believe
1: debut of cassandra correct uh
0: and um at the, the, face the, of the end of the
1: world the sun is expanding faceable isn't it yes
0: oh, i'm so glad i got that right and the little horrible <laughs> Like metal
1: metal spiders. Yeah. Um I honestly I don't have that much to say about the end of the world. No, they'll die. I honestly think it's just an an okay episode.
0: Yeah.
1: It it has some good development for the for the Doctor and Rose. It has that good um great scene at the end where they get chips, but other than that, I feel like it's not
0: Yeah, I feel like it's set up for like yeah up It the does a good well. job of, yeah. of setting
1: things up. Uh, okay. Next episode would be the unquiet Dead. Possibly
0: a Maverick opinion. I'm not really sure. Um, I'm, I'm not really sure about public opinion for this one. But I did not enjoy it.
1: You did not enjoy the Unquiet Dead. I didn't enjoy the Unquiet.
0: And I, you know, I suppose it's you know Eve Miles, which you have to sort of appreciate.
1: Eve Miles is good. Yes, her Eve Miles is good. Subsequent.
0: Great. Uh, ap- Star starring role in Torchwood But I I don't know In terms of the historical episodes
1: I I enjoy its pastiche
0: Possibly But I, I think historical episodes Just don't ever do it for me but maybe that's a okay. personal thing
1: all right uh, I I would say I'd go ahead and give it an okay I would, but would, you I would say bad I'd give it an okay
0: I know I would give it an okay
1: and we will do one more and that would be Aliens of London we'll leave you in suspense for the second part of this uh, uh, of, part the, of this next week two part special but um, Debut of Harriet Jones. Debut of Harriet Jones. But in terms of this two-parter, I'd say the weaker of the two episodes, which the setup is always going to be.
0: Yeah, the first part's always going to be the less dramatic part.
1: It is going to be the less dramatic part, but I think Harriet Jones is great. She's funny. The mystery is good. Um, I can't quite remember what's the first part and what's the second part, but it's all good stuff. It's good stuff, I'd say. It's good stuff. i like
0: another classic, in, I would say. I think most of C- series one is is pretty classic, pretty memorable. Most mm-hmm. of the first three or four series are actually pretty memorable. Would
1: you say? Uh huh. Would, would you say good? I would or put okay? it in the good column. You put it in the good column, right? Well, that is that is us done the first four episodes of Doctor Who in our apparently new segment that we're calling was <laughs> the best episode of Doctor Who, and actually. That is that has reached our time limit. We hope you enjoyed. Again, remember to send us an email if you have any thoughts about any of the things we talked about in this episode, and as we proved this episode, we will read them out. If you have any opinions on the doctor episodes we've ranked and when you want to tell us that we should all burn it that we should burn in hell for our for our decisions about them, please feel free to email us. Words without wisdom without an o at gmail.com.
0: That is wisdom without an o, but words and without, that is wisdom an, o. without an O
1: W-I-S-D-M dm at gmail.com. In case you don't know how to spell wisdom at gmail.com. If you want to send us an email about Nicholas Sturgeon uh, and the Alex Salmon Inquiry, if you want to send us an email about Bernie Sanders, the one and only, feel free to send us an email. We love getting, we love emails, man. We just love emails.
0: We just love emails. And if you want to send us hate, do so via an email.
1: So please send hate to RileyMorgan7 at gmail.com. Uh, <laughs> we we, will look at it there but that's the end of the episode thank you very much for listening from me from me goodbye